to Win the Mini Podcast. We have two pastors from Tennessee. Uh, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention. We're walking around uh, and talking. We just I just talked with someone about church revitalization. I run into my buddy, Irvin Wasawa, uh, and also Derek Smith. We're talking, and you guys start telling me about your church, Living Hope in Clarksville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start t- telling me your story. What a fascinating story. And I said, all right, we got to get you guys on there on the podcast tell us a story and also tell us how in the world you got Irvin up there with you. Uh, but hey, thanks for being on here, guys. I yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah. I really appreciate yes, it. Thanks for having us. It's yeah. cool. Glad to do it. And, uh, you know, we are so grateful for New Orleans Seminary, first yeah. of all, and, and Blake for your leadership and, and Dr. Dew and all our professors and faculty there. And I mean, it means a lot to us, yeah, right? I mean, sure. uh, we, sure. uh, we owe a great debt of gratitude to New Orleans. So, uh, and what a joy it is to do the podcast. You know, church revitalization is, is our heart. Yeah. You know, it's our heart. I think it's the greatest need in Southern Baptist life right now. I really do. I, I thank God for NAM and International Mission Board and all the churches we're planting. Uh, but uh, we're, we're struggling big time, really, you know, in, in our existing churches, especially in the South. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of great tradition. Uh, but we need a revival. You know, Amen. And, and that's what revitalization means, in my opinion, is just yeah. revival. I mean, you just need a good old revival, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, living hope. Yes, sir. Yeah. Living hope. Yeah, yeah. we uh, have seen God do some incredible things. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. And both of you guys, we appreciate y'all's connection to New Orleans Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love to see our guys out there doing well. And, uh, and that's what's happened at Living Hope. So take us through the journey of Living Hope. It wasn't living hope always, right? And that's part of the funniest thing of the story, uh, that it wasn't living hope. So tell us, take us back and, and give us the idea of what happened, what God has done at Living Hope. Yeah, in 1869, the church was started. Wow. So uh, long time, you know, uh, historical church. But the name of the church originally was Little Hope Baptist Church. Which is incredible. I mean, how do you look at a sign with a Baptist church and say, yes. let's name it Little Hope? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Little Hope. Was we that were, the community? Was it Hope Community? At, that was somewhat the community, Little Hope, Tennessee. Clarksville okay. has grown out to it, to that area. But there was a running joke. That we were started out of Red River Baptist, which is in Adams, Tennessee. And Red River is one of the, uh, the oldest churches in the state of Tennessee. It was started like the 1790s. And we are like church plant number two, I believe it was, come out of Red River Baptist. But the joke was Port Royal Methodist Church was right in that area. There's a Methodist church there. It was a Methodist-rooted area. Mm -hmm. And so the joke was there's little hope that a Baptist church will make it. And they, they used that negativity to be their slogan and their name to start this new church. So originally there was actually some pretty neat in, you know pretty neat intent yeah. to it. Um, it was irony. And so, yeah. <laughs> and and started the church Little Hope Baptist 1869. Well, 140 years later, 2009, I mean, all those years, and Clarksville had grown rapidly. Well, people didn't know that history, and it became the butt of a joke. I still remember uh, within, like, the first month I was there, I was in, I believe it was Walmart. I was walking around, and a guy caught me. He said, man, you're that, you're that new pastor at that church down the road, right? And I said, yeah. He said, man, I'm so glad y'all changed the name. We'll talk about that in just a minute, to uh-huh. Living Hope, right? Yeah. They had just changed the name. And he said, my daughter 
took a picture of the sign, Little Hope Baptist, and sent it to Jay Leno's headlines. You remember oh, when Jay Leno yeah. was using oh, yeah. that? I remember that. And wow. it made Jay Leno yeah, as, a, as a joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, so they the were, church was a joke. Oh, it a was national a, joke. It was a joke. Isn't that sad? Wow. But uh, it, it was a joke. And to, to the church's credit, they voted to change the name of the church during an interim period. A wonderful interim man by the name of Jim Harvey, and maybe some of, some of our people out on podcast land who have heard that name. He worked for Lifeway for years in Middle Tennessee and uh, pastored and preached. He actually was an interim of two different stints at Living Hope. And uh, it, during the interim period, he got with the deacons and led them to vote to change the name. And the vote passed by one vote. 67.6%. If it would have been one less vote, it would have it could possibly went into a death spiral yeah. as a church and gone down. And uh, the previous pastor had done a good job, got up to a couple hundred, but then uh, he ended up leaving and it had gone all the way back down to about a hundred. Mm. And so it was in great decline. So, and, it was, uh, so it wasn't just a name at that point. It really was the sense. I mean, it was almost yeah. like the ethos of the church, right? They, they yes. felt like there, there wasn't much hope for this church Man, when, they, when you went there. They changed the name, the deacons of the church and leaders of the church changed the name, led the church to change the name because they wanted to reach their community. They said, we're not reaching this city. We're growing rapidly. Lots of young families, young people, and we have such a negative name. We've got to change this if we're going to reach our community. So that, And they were serious about it. Yeah. A lot of Baptist churches say that and they're not serious about change, oh, that's a good the changes qualifier. that are necessary. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, it, it, that was the domino. I, I say, you know, at 90% of Baptist churches, uh, quite possibly I would have been fired within the first three years because of all the changes we made. But the, the deacons of the church and the, the key leaders were serious about change. And so we started praying through it together, talking through what it, what it has to look like to reach this community. Yeah. And and they were open to that. Now, we, we took it, you know, one step at a time, slowly. Uh, we, we weren't revitalized until year 11, in my opinion. We'll uh, talk about that in a little yeah. bit, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. But we weren't officially revitalized until 11 years later. Uh, we had grown, uh, but there were some significant things that had happened. But they were willing to change. And so... Uh, but now we're a multiplying church, and that's where Irvin comes in. What, you know, we grew 100 to uh, 400. We started contemporary worship, kids ministry, big-time servant evangelism in our community, um, and, and saw it grow, uh, built a building, continued to grow. But then now we're a multiplying church, so we've now launched two new campuses, and Irvin pastors one of those. So Tylertown, right? It's, that's, right. Uh, that's been incredible. That's right. so, yeah. Tylertown. Yeah. So what's your background? Had you done this at a previous church? Were you going in saying, hey, I've got some ideas. We'll try them out. We'll see what the Lord does. Yeah. What's, what's your background coming in that helped you revitalize the church? Well, uh, uh, Flint River Baptist Church in Hazel Green, Alabama area, just north of Huntsville, is my home church. That's where I got saved, called to ministry, and uh, had some great mentors there. But I was in student ministry. I mean, my wife and I were pouring into teenagers and college students before we felt led to lead pastor. So the long answer is, or the long answer short is, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, Blake, I, I had no idea, man. Even today, I still feel like the more we grow, you just keep getting to places where you've never led before. And thank God for that, right? Yeah. But you have to be willing to admit that. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Only God can revitalize a church. Yeah. Only God can yeah. do that. Amen. Only God can do that, so prayer, relationships. I mean, the, the gospel stuff. 
Bible stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's no, um, you know, uh, scheme or plan or program that's going to do that. And so, man, to God be all the credit. And and those deacons and key leaders, they were serious about yeah. wanting to change, and they were willing to change. So, um, you know, I, I had no idea, and, and I'm still learning, yeah. still growing. You know. So I, I want to ask y'all, and Irvin, I want to get your perspective, sure. having come in after it's been revitalized in mm-hmm. a sense. You looking at it now from your perspective, what are some things that you saw that were pivotal in that church being revitalized? But for you coming in, so I was talking yesterday uh, with uh, some guys about revitalization. Pretty much all of our Southern Baptist churches need to be right, revitalized. Mm-hmm. If you're a pastor going into a Southern Baptist church, uh, odds are it's a church that needs to be revitalized. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned, you talked about that's revival, that's uh, that's the rebuilding of the church in a lot of ways. What are some things that pastors can focus on going in? All right, so they go in, they know it needs to be revitalized. I think something that's key that we don't have control over is the fact that the church is ready for change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that always helps, that the church is, is ready to be revitalized. They recognize the need. Yes. So a pastor going in, what are some things they can focus on from day one in order to see a revitalization effort take root and then take off and see uh, and see fruit from that? Well, to me, and then Irvin, I'll pass yeah, to you, sure. but to me, two, um, two things, and I just named them, but that, mm-hmm. that, that is, they're key to me. Number one is prayer. It's spiritual revival, spiritual renewal that that prepares hearts. It has to be intrinsically motivated. The people have to be moved by the Spirit of God yeah. to, with a deep burden to want to know Jesus and make Him known in their community. And so it starts with prayer. We want to come in a lot of times with programming and strategies and, man, let's just add this program or, man, this church over there is doing this thing or, no, no, just pray. God has something specific for every church, a specific strategy and plan for every church. So prayer and then relationships. And, and the first key relationships at Living Hope were with the existing people. Uh, now, the, the reason the, those deacons and leaders would, would walk with us through change is because I came in and loved them and shepherded them. We didn't come in and start turning the apple cart over overnight. That's so why I said it. I believe it took 11 years yeah. to officially say, you know, now we run 1,000. We've got three campuses. We've launched two new churches. Our third our launched two new campuses. Our third campus is another revitalization now. We took over a dying Baptist church and have relaunched it uh, coming out of COVID. And got a young guy over there doing a great job named Blake Allen from Southwestern Seminary. But um, it, it, those relationships early. Some guys want to go into a church and and immediately make it what their vision is for the long term. It just takes a lot of time. Man, I wore a suit and tie every day, not just every <laughs> yeah. Sunday. Every yeah. day. It was one of those churches for the f- for the first two years. We you sang- still do that, right? Uh, it, Irvin, you well, wear a suit and tie every day. Uh, uh, <laughs> nah, he's in shorts and flip flops. Yeah, nah, you know, nah, 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 nah. like he thinks he's Jesus or something I'm up li- in here. I'm Got a little more dignified on. than that. A little more dignified than that. <laughs> he's doing a great job, by the way. But uh, but yeah, you know, I wore. And all kidding aside, I mean, I made home visits in a suit and tie. I made hospital visits. In a suit tie. I mean, I had a certain context of people that I wanted them to know I was their shepherd and their pastor, and I want us to do this together, you know. And and so the first two years we were nothing but traditional hymns, suit and tie, and we doubled on that. We went from 125 to 250 on that, but we started to plateau, 
and uh, got into doctoral work, fin had finished my master's, got into doctoral work at New Orleans. And DMIN project was God put in our heart to launch the campus that Irvin now leads because we had grown. And so we started doing the, uh, the real intentional demographic work of our city. And it's very young. Uh, average, average age at that time, median age, was 29 years old with two kids in Clarksville. It's, wow. Yeah, it, really young. Very eclectic. There's a uh, strong military base there, Fort Campbell military base is there. So you had people from all over the country. It's very diverse. It's 40% non-Anglo in Clarksville, which for Tennessee, other than Nashville, Memphis, Knoxville, you know, Tennessee as a whole is pretty, pretty Caucasian. Um, but Clarksville is very diverse. So we had to start leaning into that. And so we started to, to change the way, the methods, the, the way we did, the style, you know, and uh, we never changed the gospel. We're gonna mm. preach the gospel, yeah. man. We're all sinners and we need Jesus and, and, and we gotta repent, trust in him and Bible is God's word, I mean, all that stuff. But we changed the style. We, we made it, you know, I, I know it sounds almost bad, but more palatable, more relevant to the people that were there. Yeah. Uh, still the same old gospel, but presented in a new way. Mm -hmm. And evangelism is a culture. It's an atmosphere. It's not a program. It's how you do everything, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It's a culture you create among your people. So the way you do worship, the way you do your service, the way you, you get out in the community, the way you serve others, the, the way that uh, you engage in... Uh, cultural conversations with the gospel, but yet with with respect and a desire to build bridges with people. The way you do that, it's a culture. It's not a program. Yeah. So, you know, and then we launched Tylertown, and and now, I mean, you can speak to that, Irvin. Just stuff you've seen. I mean, yeah. On so, revitalization. So, so God put yeah. you together. We got we got mm -hmm. here white guy from Alabama going mm -hmm. to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. We have black guy from Texas, right? Yes, You're sir. From Dallas, Dallas area. Dallas, yeah. Yep. Dallas yep. area. God put you all together. Uh, now you're a satellite pastor. Is that are y'all campus pastor? What, what's what's your title? Yes, campus campus pastor. pastor. Yeah, okay, Tylertown location. All right, so you come in. What are some things that you noticed about uh, the church? How they were approaching ministry that was that was different, maybe unique. Some ways that that you saw the revitalization efforts that they were uh, attempting to achieve there really take off. Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. I think for me coming in. The church as a whole, you know, in my mind, was in a healthy place, but it was neat that they were looking to take the next step. You know, uh, Pastor Derek made the comment about how they got to a point where they doubled during those early days, but were at a point where they were getting ready to plateau a little bit. Well, you know, when I got there, they had, you know, grown some more, the church had grown some more, but we're at a place where, okay, what what's the next step that God has for us to... Um, expand, you know, uh, his kingdom and get the gospel mm -hmm. out. And so that's where I came in. You know, we, we looked and did, you know, as Pastor mentioned, demographical study of Clarksville. And, you know, Clarksville is not just the Sango area where the main location is. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, big growing city um, that has expanded, you know, several, you know, miles. And so uh, there's a certain area there, Clarksville, north side of town, near our military base, where there wasn't much church life happening at all. Uh, and so, you know, by the leading of the Lord, you know, we wanted to challenge, you know, our folks uh, that lived in that area, challenged our folks that had a heart for, for missions uh, and ministry. Hey, why don't we uh, get sent out essentially as, you know, a new work? Why don't we get sent out as missionaries to reach a community 
where there isn't much church life going on. Instead of, you know, us going and telling folks, hey, come and see, you know, come and see what we've got coming on, you know, going on down, you know, on the south side of town, man. Why don't we uh, incarnate the gospel? That's a phrase that we use all the time. Incarnate the gospel of Jesus in an area um, where folks are in need of it, in an area where that's totally different than, you know, the area where, you know, our current campus is. And, uh, and so we did that. And so uh, I got there. It was unique. I got there 2017. We had plans on what we wanted to do. We were going to meet in the local school in that community there. And uh, the Lord shut the door. Uh, and it was actually a blessing in disguise because for me, I came in, I was young. I mean, I just, you know, just turned 25, was finishing up my master's. You know, I mean, I'd had some ministry experience, but this was a different level, different context. And so I had the opportunity to, to uh, be at the main location, um, you know, train, cut my teeth, you know, uh, and really look to earn rapport and credibility with some of those leaders that were there that lived on that side of town that wanted to come with me. And so spent about 18 months doing that. And through that time, you know, grew as a preacher, grew as a leader, um, you know, grew in relationships. And then we launched uh, monthly services uh, at a local hotel. A local hotel opened their doors to us um, in that general community. Uh, and then we launched full time in that hotel, uh, Hilton Garden Inn Hotel, in um, October of 2019. Uh, launched there with full time services and saw God, you know, begin to work a little bit. But throughout that whole process, Blake, what, what happened was we were able to train our people that were part of that uh, missional launch, uh, thinking missional. Yeah. And so, hey, instead of, you know, you going on a mission trip, which mission trips are great, hey, your neighborhood is a mission field. And so, man, look to invite your, your neighbors and friends to come be a part of this. Look to share the gospel with them. Uh, and so we got to see some growth, you know, in, in our people uh, through that way as we launched. And then obviously COVID hit. Um, we, we relaunched out of COVID in the summer. And then, you know, we start, launched in our building September of 2020 and have been there since. So coming up on three years in our building. And man, we've seen God do a great work. We, uh, I believe, you know, we are reaching, you know, people in that community that wouldn't have driven down to mm -hmm. the south side of town, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, just because, you know, it's a different part of town for them. We're reaching mm -hmm. a lot of folks that, uh, you know, are folks that were on the fringes, you know, went to church as a little kid, but man, you know, far away from God coming to know him. And so uh, it's been neat to see what God has done um, as, you know, as a new start, yeah. right, uh, being plugged into the church revitalization process as we see it right for living hope that was just the next step you know in our um, church revitalization effort yeah. um, is launching out because even you know and we've talked about it too some of the folks that came with us uh, you know they were active you know they were active attenders but they may have not served and so them coming and being a part of this new work I mean it, it revitalized the desire for them to serve and to lead and so yeah mm -hmm. so it's been neat Mm -hmm. So y'all, so you're talking about a third campus. That's more of you're taking over a church. Not yep. taking mm -hmm. over. I don't mean that in a bad way. You're you're yep. assuming leadership of that particular church. Yours was more like a plan. It was. Yes, yeah. Sir. So you're yeah. starting this work in a hotel. Yeah. All right. Now, what's your background coming into that? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's a good question. You know, it it's interesting to see how God has you know had led me personally up to that point. When I was here at New Orleans, shout out in OBTS, man, great time. Um, you know, I, I wanted to pastor, but I never really was, you know, involved in church planning or had a desire to be involved in church planning. It was interesting. Uh, one day, uh, Brother George Ross, uh, Dr. George Ross, reached out and said, hey, we've got this uh, church planting internship option. 
you know, that you can be a part of um, and, and I'd love for you to be part of it. I was like, well, George, that's awesome, but I'm not a part of a church plant, you know, so how does that work? I, I you know, work at an established church here in town. It's like, oh, no, it's, it's good training. Uh, and so had the opportunity to, to be a part of that. And, and man, that was so helpful uh, to me, uh, getting a chance to, uh, to learn and understand the culture there, you know, of church planting. And, uh, and so that was, that was the experience I had kind of rolling out. But, you know, besides that, you know, a lot of reading and a lot of uh, uh, trial by fire, if you yeah. will. <laughs> and so, but it's been a blessing. If you like what you hear, you'll love Defend the Faith, our annual apologetics conference here on the NOBTS campus each January, where you'll meet and learn from many of today's top apologists. To learn more about Defend the Faith, as well as our academic degrees in apologetics, visit us at nobts.edu forward slash apologetics. So you were by no means an expert on church no, Not at all, no. <laughs> read, read a book or two. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, uh, and, yeah. and I think that's important. We've got, yeah. you know, both of you, not an expert on revitalization, not an expert mm-hmm. on planting. I mean, who is really in a lot of ways? You know, we all have ideas, but once you get in there, uh, it is a unique effort. It's a unique mm-hmm. group of people. And so right. we're trying to lead them. I, I'm interested in, because you guys, I mean, obviously you're two different people, so you're gifted in two different ways, but you're working together mm-hmm. to lead this this organization, this organism forward. Mm-hmm. How how does that look week in, week out? So what's the mm-hmm. relationship between the two, uh, the two ch- not churches, but the two works that are going on, preaching-wise, leadership, vision casting, all that? Mm-hmm. How do you all work together, and how does that work? Well, my... My title is lead pastor over it all. So they, we have two multi-site campuses, and that, that's what they are, but they're live contextual multi-sites. And so we, we'll sermon prep together. So like on Monday, Irvin and myself and, and Pastor Blake, our pastor at our Dunbar Cave campus, we'll study, we, we'll study the passage, which going back before that, we have sermon calendaring event in the summer where we'll calendar 12 months of of sermons what the direction is so we know which way which way we're going and then we get together on on uh tuesdays study on monday come back together on tuesday hey what are you seeing in this passage and we learn from each other is this through books of the bible or these topics a little bit of both so we will do right now we're in the gospel of john doing an expositional series Uh, but we'll also do like a vision series we'll do a discipleship series i mean we'll do a family series we'll do some topical series throughout the year stewardship series so we'll mix it in. We'll do expositional, but we don't go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and take three years in a book, yeah. per se. We'll take a broader spectrum of it and encourage our folks to dig in. We write devotionals five days a week, too, that we put out to our people so we can incorporate some of the in, you know, uh, in-between stuff in that. Uh, but we'll get together, and we'll sermon prep together on Tuesday. So what are we seeing here? You know, what, and, and I learn as much from them as they learn from me. I mean, we just we really glean from each other. It's made our, our sermons deeper, stronger, our communication even better. And then, uh, then we'll take and go to our teams. You know, so Irvin will go to worship, you know, worship director and kids ministry director and his operations pastor who's with him, and they'll get together, have their own staff meeting, and talk about plans for the week. Long story short, Tylertown Dunbar Cave are line items in our overall budget. And so, but he basically pastors that work. So I I don't micromanage that. So he has a budget and and a team and they operate that. The only thing that 
the multi-site comes back and, and has to get permission for is the hiring of a staff member and in any uh, expansion, if they need to you know, move to a new location or if we need to build something for them or, or whatever. But as far as week in, week out ministry, they roll. Now we have a systems manual so we have a playbook we hand, and I got we got that idea from Life Church, Life, you know, with Craig Rochelle. Yeah, so they, yeah. they, you know, of course they're on a huge level, and they do they do multi-site on a screen, which is not us. We discipleship, making disciples. I love discipling these young pastor guys as much as as much as starting campuses. It's yeah. as much about c- celebrating their success as as leaders too. But we have we have a playbook, so it's the same DNA. We run the same programming, same systems, same stuff. But they will do some events and some little things, outreach events, mission projects, things outside of what we might do at Sango that fit their context. But so, so they basically function like their own church, um, except for when they need a staff member come and we'll work through that together and approve that, and then uh, any indebtedness or expansion or you know those those types of things. Yeah. And so um, it, it's worked real well, you know, so far. But we're still learning and growing, man, and and. Uh, trying to figure all that out. We're a revitalized church that now for the past three years has turned into a multiplying church. So we're kind of moving into a new phase of that. And, uh, you know, pretty neat to see, but uh, but scary because we're learning. Man, we're having to learn every day, man, on the fly. Yeah. So, Irvin, what's it been like for you, man? Because you get to, uh, you get to preach, it, it's, it, you, you get to preach the sermon and lead uh, your particular site, but also you have, in a lot of ways, help uh, guidance uh, from the guy who's been there, been doing that. What are some things you've learned uh, in even those weekly meetings, but then going back and leading? Because again, you're two different guys. Right. Uh, you're approaching it in two different ways. Uh, it's a really neat story. Uh, mm-hmm. So what are what are some things that you probably weren't expecting these going in, but some ways you've seen yourself develop as a leader and as a preacher um, because you get to be your own guy, but you also have that that uh, that Paul in your life right. helping you on a weekly basis yeah yeah no that's a great great question you know i tell folks all the time how it's been i, I tell them i'm i feel like i'm living the dream you know it seems like legit it, it's uh, best of both worlds you know getting to fulfill the call that i know god has in my life to pastor shepherd and lead but at the same time too getting a chance to have built-in and in, investment you know built-in you know somebody pouring into my life um, and, you know, Pastor Derek, uh, you know, others, Pastor Kevin Short, who's operations pastor there. Uh, pastor Greg was my operations pastor, but man, I mean, he's, you know, been in ministry a long time. Those guys have really invested. I've learned a ton from them. But uh, things that I've learned, you know, it's, it, I enjoy, you know, I've come to enjoy the meetings that we have. You know, we'll have a meeting where all of our pastoral team comes together. And so I, I just try and sit and, and be a sponge, you know, and, and learn kind of the in and out. You know, I enjoy being in some of our other, you know, lay leader meetings because in my mind I'm, I'm taking, you know, hey, you know, God may have me here another 20 years or I may be, you know, stepping out and leading a church one day. And, you know, by God's grace, living hope, man, you know, has been doing a great job. God's hand's been on it. So I'm trying to take all that I can, you know, yeah. while, while I can. And so, you know, l- learning a lot about, uh, you know, just uh, simple things like hey how to structure and, and organize lead a meeting you know as as a, you know as a leader uh, to hey all right we're having issues with a staff member you know hey, you know how, how do we how do we handle that how, how do you walk through and, and converse with that some of those things you know that we hear all the time we didn't learn necessarily in a seminary class you know and 
the benefit that, that I've had is, um, in, in a sense, I, I've been able to uh, learn those things, you know, um, uh, from afar, if you will, you know, being connected and plugged in, uh, leading the campus, but being a part of the bigger church, you know, um, I haven't been necessarily burned by it myself. Hey, we've been going through it together, so yeah. I can kind of learn, you know, hey, all right, this is how we handle this, how I would handle it, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then another thing, too, is I, I've, I, you know, essentially cultivated my voice. You know, I heard uh, my old youth pastor told me, you know, he says, you know, for a preacher, they say, you know, it usually takes about 200 sermons before you, you cultivate your own voice. And so being able to have the opportunity to week in and week out, you know, preach the word, um, I've been able to grow and cultivate my voice. You know, hey, we preach the same passage, but, you know, like you said, Pastor Derek and I are in different seasons of life, you know, diff different personalities, different thoughts. And so I'll take a nugget from him you know, that we, we may talk about in our meeting time on Tuesdays, you may say, man, I may say that another way, you know, I, I, may, I may craft it a different way. Uh, but, you know, a lot of those things, just being able to glean and learn, you know, uh, man, it's been such a blessing. I'm so grateful, like, um, for the opportunity to, to be able to almost seems like have the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know, it's not perfect. I mean, we, we, we've got storms just like every other work, but, um, but being able to, um, do while learning, you know, yeah. um, and having that built-in, you know, investment from other pastors. Yeah. And, and we really believe, Blake, this is this is one of the most effective church revitalization models there is. Is multi-sites. Uh, there, there's uh, some of our larger, growing churches that have some resources and staffing, you know, in in a community. If churches that are struggling can rely upon the resources of that church if they'll if if they will you know if if they'll allow you know if if, if they allow that into their heart autonomy is an incredible blessing but it also in some senses can be a cursing because what it means is independence and in baptist life we focus so much on the autonomy of the church yeah here from the spirit every church i mean you call your pastor you do ministry god's putting your heart that's a good thing priest to the believer that's a good thing but on the flip side a church plant autonomy is a struggle like you don't have any money, you don't have any resources. I mean, yes, you can tap into NAM, you can tap into your state convention, you can grab some other churches and get a little bit of help. But a multi-site model like Tylertown, where Irvin is, that's our baby. It's like a, it's like you're birthing a baby, right? And so we're fully invested to make that sustainable and strong, whatever it takes. So we, so we purposely recruited our people to go and called out seed families missionally in our community to say, man, go to Tylertown and help us launch a new work and be missional in that community. And and so we saw that go from, what, 50 people to now 275. You know, Sunday had 275. Baptized 50, 60 people, something like that. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but a bunch of baptisms. And to God be the glory for that. But w when you do that, Dunbar Cave, our third campus now, dying church that came to us and said, will you take us over? I mean, literally coming out of COVID, they're down to 15 people, struggling. And man, we just have a heart for that. We, we don't know everything. It's not arrogant. It's not like, oh, we need to tell you what to do. Not at all. It's, it's cooperative effort. That's what Baptist life is. That's what the Bible is. That's what missional movement's supposed to be. And so we believe this is one of the most effective revitalization models out there, especially for churches like a, or uh, cities, I should say, like a Clarksville that's growing, where you've got some churches that, that are strong and have some resources that can come alongside some churches that may be struggling. 
and and we and rekindle the vision. Yeah. Rekindle the dream. What was the dream when this church got started? Let's not let it die. You know, um, let's uh, let's do this together. How can we help? How can yeah. we serve? So. Uh, we've just seen God do that. Also, one more thing I'll say, and I'll shut up. I, it, it, hey, I, it, watch preach, it now. Preach, Bishop. Right. Watch I'm it not, now. I'm not stopping you. Huh? Go, keep going. Watch it now. <laughs> so um, discipleship, right? Making disciples. That's yeah. a great commission. We believe that that launching new work like this, revitalizing a church, launching a multi-site, these things is, is a great disciple-making model because what we found is as we grew at our mother campus to about six, seven hundred, we launched Tylertown. Well, you had hundreds of people in the seats not doing anything, not serving consistently every week, plugging in ministry. Well, by launching a multi-site, we go after people even more intentionally, and we've seen people who were on the sidelines turn into servant leaders at other works, or had to backfill the people who left at Sango. So you had this constant. Um, it, it's it's not attrition; it's multiplication. We're not we're not losing them. No, we're sending them. So now, hey, those of you sitting here, like the kids ministry, your kids going to ain't gonna happen next week unless you start, yeah. unless, unless yeah. you pick it up. So we're able to encourage folks, and there's an urgency that's created there for disciple making and serving and growth. So we've just seen, and and all that God put it in our heart. So he led us, but at the same time, as I shared earlier, we kind of ran into by accident. We didn't see all that ahead of time. God has expanded that vision, you know, so yeah. uh, it's just neat. You know, pretty yeah. neat deal. Well, it's, it's a unique, and you use the word, the, the model. It's an, a unique ecclesiological model, a church model for, um, for how you guys are approaching it. I, it's an incredible story. I wanted you guys to share and folks to hear it. And, and hey, we're Baptists, so we we're going to debate all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Some of those things are church models, uh, ecclesiology in general. What's, what does that look like? How should we approach it? And these different methods of going about reaching people. We're going to debate those. Hey, those are those are necessary debates. We understand that, uh, and that that's part of of all of this discussion. But what is undeniable is what's undergirding you guys approach and the model that you're using is that you have an outward focus and you're wanting to reach people and you see this model as the way some will say oh that that," and and obviously that again those ecclesiological debates will happen but an emphasis that we certainly need to uh, to draw down on and highlight is an outward focus you're wanting to reach people, and you're wanting to reach people in that area. So for those guys who are out there, they're going into that church to revitalize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we'll get you out of, out of here on this. And thank you all again for joining us. Um, how do you get? How do you help them? How do you encourage them? How would you encourage that guy to get the church focused outwardly? Or maybe they need to be focused outwardly to not be so internally focused that uh, that all of the wins, so to speak, are just happening within that room or within that building. How do we how do we push our churches to think and and look outwardly? Well, I, Isaiah, right? Isaiah chapter six, he got a vision of the Lord and yeah. his holiness. Then he's saying, here I am, send me. It, I'm telling you, it starts in prayer, man. That, that's been a big emphasis for Living Hope uh, for for years, but even, even over the past, four or five years. We, we start the year with a 21-day season of prayer and fasting as a church in January. Actually, learned that from Church of the Highlands, you know, in, uh, which is an AG work, but focusing on prayer, just love that, that idea. 
So starting with prayer, you have to get a vision of God's holiness and, and, and His love and, and compassion for lost, lost people. And that only comes in prayer, right? Starts there. But then the second thing I would say is get some help. Like we didn't just do this. Like we prayed, God gave us a vision. But then, man, I started getting all the help I could get. You know, I mean, we just started learning and growing and reading and and getting coaching and connecting with folks. And so get some help. None of us can do this alone. Again, autonomy is a great blessing, but if you stay independent or isolated, it's, that's a curse. Like, don't do that. So go learn. Get some help from your local association. Get, your, get some help. That church in your community who's reaching some people, who's starting to grow, what are they doing there? You're not going to copy necessarily their programs or their plan, but there's some principles there you can go learn from them. Uh, don't be afraid to cross denominational lines as long as they, you know, are preaching the true gospel and, and believe, believe the Bible will be the Word of God. But, you know, learn and grow and get some help. So prayer and then those relationships, man, connecting and getting some help. I, I think those are the two first things that are, that are so important um, as pastors if we're going to lead a work of revitalization. It just it really starts there for me. Yeah, and I'll say, Blake, uh, this may be a strong statement, but, but I'll say it anyways. I, I believe in today's time, I mean, a church that um, – you know, chooses to stay focused inward, God's going to render obsolete, you know, at the end of the day. I, um, in, in today's time, there's increasingly less people that, you know, are interested in, in the church, um, you know, interested in things of the Lord. And so the call for us is we, uh, we have to, you know, um, uh, reach out. And, and so, you know, I would just encourage, you know, that pastor that may be struggling with folks, in, you know, outward, man, just remember why you were called <laughs> you know one one to run a country club and one to you know uh, run a you know a glorified holy huddle man it, it was to man to reach people mm -hmm. for jesus and uh, mm -hmm. and as pastor derek mentioned you know uh, man ask the lord to you know stir your affections for him and for his work more you know more deeply start there in prayer and and just go and get him you know um uh, mm -hmm. we we um man there's too many folks that you know are, are, are going to hell, man, because they don't mm -hmm. know the gospel. And so, and you can't reach people and fight them at the same yeah. time. Yeah. That in today's culture, we want to fight the culture. In, in my opinion, Jesus didn't fight the culture; he served the culture. Just get out and start serving in your school system. I know there's some crazy junk in curriculum and things, ideologies that's making its way into some of our school systems and local governments, and and we're not going to agree with those things. We got to disagree with those things when the topic comes up, but we can't fight people and reach them at the same time. So we really have to have to be aware of that in today's culture. We've got to be willing to get out and love our community, serve people, take the true gospel to them, but serve them and love them instead of fighting them. I think that's a big part uh, or big important uh, thing to remember in Baptist life today is let's not yeah. just fight the culture let listen let's get out here and reach people yeah. let's build bridges to the gospel i think it's the first step right i mean mm -hmm. people don't really care about what you know until they know how much you care right mm -hmm. that old cliche statement so yeah mm -hmm. yeah amen you guys certainly have an outward focus that's awesome to see you have a passion to reach the loss uh and and the story from little hope to living hope i mean ultimately is you're just uh you're just preaching jesus mm -hmm. and uh and taking jesus to that area 
and uh, saw what God did in your church through that. So thanks for joining us, guys. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed hearing the story, and uh, God bless you moving forward in ministry. Thank you, Blake. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to To Win the Many, a podcast of the Caskey Center at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. The Caskey Center for Church Excellence provides ministerial resources, including undergraduate and graduate scholarships for ministers serving Southern Baptist churches in Alabama, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, and Wyoming. For access to additional resources or more information about our scholarship opportunities, visit our website at caskeycenter.com or nobts.edu.